Hi, and welcome to Redefining Outbound, a podcast series for sales leaders. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen Vickers, Director of U.S. Sales Development at Cognizant. I'll be interviewing a range of forward-thinking sales leaders on how and why B2B buying behavior has changed, and we'll be unpacking why these trends are important for Outbound. Hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to Redefining Outbound. Today we have Emerald Maravilla, uh, Director of Sales Development at Snowflake. So welcome, Emerald. Uh, to start, could you please just introduce yourself for the listeners? Yeah. First off, thank you so much to you and the Cognizant team for having me here, Stephen. Um, by way of introduction, I'm Emerald Maravilla. Uh, you already provided my role, so I won't repeat that. Um, I've been very fortunate to be at Snowflake now for five months, but I've spent the last 10 years of my career in sales development leadership. I've also been fortunate to be a part of teams at Twilio and Sift, and most recently at Platt. Um, I love the sales development function. I think the connective tissue role that it plays in an organization is really exciting to me. I love the thrill of developing pipeline uh, and helping to change trajectory of organizations. And I love the talent development piece as well. I've been fortunate to hire hundreds of SDRs across my career and seeing them become leaders at fantastic companies just always brings a smile to my face. And a not so secret secret is when we promote folks, I still get pretty teary eyed here. So um, I'm looking forward to Stephen. Perfect. So uh, to kick off, you know, we always ask every guest, what does redefining outbound mean to you? Yeah. So I've been fortunate to have been a part of companies where the modern day buying process is forefront to them. And what I mean by that is there's an old stereotype of outbound, right? That sales representatives are ripping pages from the ripping yellow pages, right? I don't even know if SDRs today know what yellow pages are, but the old stereotype is the ripping pages from the phone books and they're just dialing blindly, ripping off dials to see who they can get in touch with, who they can get a bite from. Some folks call this spray and pray, right? And now it's shifted towards a more consultative era where we are prioritizing deep research to understand our companies, to understand the buyers within them. And I think that motion from sales representatives is intersecting with a change in in buyers and the access to information that they have. And we recognize to be a buyer in this day and age means you have all of the information about products, about markets, and understanding which is the best fit for you. And so you don't need someone who will just rattle off features to you. You want a partner who helps to understand and validate your needs and find a solution together. And so really for sales development, what that means is we've got to do that upfront research. We have to know our messaging. We have to have a hypothesis of need before we go and perform these these outbound activities. It's not, again, it's not just ripping a page out of a phone book. It's not a spray and pray. It's coming informed and coming with a, with a thesis. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. In, in your opinion, Emerald, how would you describe the modern day buyer? You know, are there any core attributes or, you know, qualities, characteristics that you've noticed? Yeah. So I think what I've noticed over the last decade is a couple of things, right? One, the buyer, they get to educate themselves more. They can go to webinars. They can read white pages. There's a wealth of information out there on the web for these buyers to come to conversations with sales professionals in a more informed way. 
uh, no longer is the leverage solely tilted to the sales professional as, as, um, as a holder of information. Um, so I think the modern day buyer has that. I also think what we're seeing is a shift to a more technically informed buyer as well. So this has been core to the companies that I've chosen in my career. I noticed this shift early on. I was fortunate to grow up at, at Twilio as an SDR. So a very product-led motion there. And understanding the influence that developers and engineers have on the buying cycle. Um, so we are seeing individuals with stronger technical acumen who are helping to direct how a company makes purchases within its tech stack. And as such, it puts the onus then on sales professionals to, to not match per se. I don't want to be so arrogant to say that I would ever match the technical acumen of a developer, but to certainly come with more education and understanding of at least you know software development 101. So I can attempt to be empathetic and put myself in our customer's shoes. That's great. You know, you've mentioned how outbound sales should function as a go-to-market function. You know, could you unpack that just a little further for the listeners? Yeah. So I think when we talk about modern day outbound and uh, previous iterations of outbound, um, older iterations were very, were very incumbent on the sales professional to go and be gritty and to do the heavy lifting of the selling motion. I'm very fortunate here at Snowflake because we truly make outbound a go-to-market motion. So I have a wonderful partner, Hilary Carpio, who leads our ABM team. And what this does is we are named account company. So we have done some incredible planning this year. I can't speak like I was a part of this process. This preceded my start here at Snowflake. But our teams did a great job identifying companies that are high propensity, high value prospects for us. And once we go and decide this, then our ABM team helps us design campaigns to activate awareness and education across these companies. And so when these prospects are engaging with our content, our SDRs get signal of this. They can see, oh, there's a marketing leader at so-and-so company. And also, you know what? Their engineering team is taking a look at this. So that enables us, again, to my earlier point about being informed um, and having a hypothesis of need. We understand this is the content that they're engaging with. We can start to understand what their need might be so we can come informed in those conversations. Nice, nice. Could, could you give a little bit of insight for the listeners into the state of play for sales development at Snowflake? Uh, at Snowflake. You know, what's the structure? Uh, how are the regions broken up? Things like that. Yeah. So we're very fortunate here to have a global sales development team. We operate in all of the theaters, APJ, EMEA, and North America. I'm one of the leaders on our North American team. We've got a majors team and we've got an enterprise team. I'm one of the leaders on, on the enterprise business. And we are solely devoted to supporting our field sales organization. Nice. So how how is your team adapting to the new era of outbound? You know, for example, you know, could you expand on the team's omnichannel approach that helps to educate and engage buyers? Yeah, I've got to say, SDRs today, while they have an incredible tech stack, one that I am jealous of. I don't, I don't know about you, Stephen, but when I was an SDR, we didn't have Gong. We didn't have outreach. I was Anything. putting 
goes into a Google sheet and trying to track my my activity there. And I would I came up with a syntax to understand when I had to follow up with that, right? This is very different. They're very fortunate to it, have that. It was a spreadsheet of accounts and hopefully you put some calendar reminders to to let you know yeah. when you had to call call people back. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Hopefully, right? And I had a former sales leader at Plaid who used to say to us, hope is not a strategy. But man, when I was an SDR, it was a lot of hoping and a lot of finger crossing. So SDRs today are super fortunate. But I also think SDRs today, you know, that that phrase, to whom much has been given, much is to be expected. And so we do expect a lot of our SDRs today. And I give them a round of applause because to be an SDR in this world today takes a lot of resilience. There's been huge swings in the macro economy. You have this tech stack that, you know, in and of itself is a skill to manage and work through and understand how to leverage in your day-to-day and maximize this. So I just wanted to lay that that on the on the ground first. My my thanks for SDRs in today's world. Um so I also think because we've talked about buyers who are more informed, we do have to take a more intelligent approach. And that means to your point in your question about omni-channel, we have to surround our buyers with value propositions and nuggets of value and customer stories that will resonate with them, right? You can't just call them five times a day and hope that your annoyance means that they'll pick up, right? You've got to be professionally persistent you've got to leverage the research that you offer. So here at Snowflake, we believe in, you know, we warm folks up with our ABM campaigns. We place what we believe to be valuable and relevant messaging in front of them. And then the SDRs follow that line of messaging and add value in their reach out. You know, we'll add a customer story that's within their realm of expertise, within our prospects realm of expertise. We'll send an email to follow up with that And then we'll make a call so that they can connect a person to that message, that it's not just a company who's bombarding them here, but there's somebody who is on their account team who understands how they could be leveraging Snowflake to make their business more profitable, more efficient. Um, And I got to hand it to these SDRs today because they really have to be more professionally persistent than anybody else in this economy. So that omni-channel, that discipline and that rigor um, becomes more important. Absolutely. It's in some ways, the job is a lot easier now, but in a lot of ways, it's it's so much harder because so much more is expected of them. So absolutely. So speaking of channels, are there any in particular that you've noticed, you know, maybe some that work for one particular region and and not others? You know, for example, you know, in Latin America, how's your team crafting outreach? You know, which channels are are they using? Yeah. Well, I first got to start this off with saying the phones aren't dead. (laughs) I know that is a hot. I can't say that loud enough. But the fo- I'll say it again for you, yeah. Stephen. The phones are not dead. Here at Snowflake, we're really making that an emphasis for us. And I've got to also add, we're making coaching a phone activity and phone presence and messaging a core focus of what we're doing today. And it is exciting for me. I I gotta say, I didn't. I wasn't a disciple of the phone as fervently prior to my life at Snowflake. Um, but the phones are not dead, Stephen. That said, to your point, different regions respond differently to the phones. So here in North America, we love the phones. People are picking up. We're finding engagement that way. But I also lead a Latin American team. And for them, WhatsApp is really great. 
our buyers in Lantum love that personal touch. Um, everybody is on WhatsApp down there. The, the close to synchronous conversation that can occur there is really um, a forum that, that our buyers respond to. Nice. Well, I mean, what are your thoughts on texting more, you know, overall in general? So here's some personal bias on this. I love when my sales teams uh, message me, when, when folks I am buying from, when they text me, it's the easiest way to get through to me. My email is always a mess. Uh, I'm not very diligent about my inbox. Um, I, you know, Slack is okay. I know some buyers love Slack channels. My Slack is also a mess. You know, I, I am very nervous about returning to Slack after our conversation today to see how many messages I need to respond to. Um, but I always have my phone on me. My phone is my key. It's my key to, to my home. It's my key to my gym. Um, it is it is the key to everything. And so if you need to reach me, my phone is is in my pocket. It's the best way to do so. We're unbiased. I think text messaging is great. If you have, if, if you are thoughtful in that messaging, and if you've built that relationship and have earned that trust, I think text messaging is great. Nice. Yeah, I think it's all about building that rapport with with the customer and having the confidence to know that you can reach out and it's not going to be, you know, invasive or anything like that. Yeah, I, I think this is core to what we're talking about today, right? Is understanding who you are selling to, um, earning the right to have that conversation yeah. with them. Exactly. How are your teams approaching, you know, the understanding or determining channel preferences altogether? This is um, really, this is a really good question. I'm very, very, very fortunate here at Snowflake that as a data company, we are using what we are selling. We live by the data that we have. Um, Here's an example of this. As we put together our sequences and outreach, we have a phenomenal uh, SDR operations team led by Travis Henry. And Travis and his team have done analysis on tens of thousands of touch points um, to help us determine which sequences and what order of touches in sequences will leverage the best responses from us. Um, We also then track on a quarterly basis the sources for our meetings. So we can say, hey, we're deriving X percent of meetings from calls, X percent from LinkedIn, X percent from WhatsApp, X percent from from email. And so we see this data in real time and we have the opportunity to adjust our plays based on what the data is telling us. Mm. Nice. Uh, What are your thoughts on Slack Connect? I haven't personally found Slack Connect to be fruitful for me as a seller. But I think part of that might be because of where we sit in the funnel, right? We're, we're top of the funnel, um, helping to build upon the education and awareness, and we're setting the stage up for our AEs. I have seen more success nice. in the field, AEs who do this. Um, I've had uh, vendors that I've built relationships with who build Slack channels, and I like that frequency of communication um, and that availability. Nice. I think, you know, sales leaders understand the shifts that are taking place, but, you know, perhaps from the sales development perspective, the hiring and training aspects and ensuring they align with this shift is the more difficult part. So I'd love to get some insight into how you've approached it all. Yeah, I love this because um, I have always loved the people component of, of sales leadership. 
And I've been very humbled to learn that you can't take the same approach with everybody, that adaptability is necessary to be a sales leader because individuals are so dynamic. And so I think the great sales leaders really understand how to identify potential and talent within an STR organization. We're not judging based on a body of work or work experience, right? I have hired great SDRs who are out of college. I've hired phenomenal SDRs who never finished college. I've hired SDRs who were lawyers in previous lives. Um, What came before you doesn't really matter, but how you use those experiences to translate and build your emotional awareness, your technical aptitude, your grit and your hustle, that, that is what matters the most. And so I think that the sales development organizations that see those intangibles and know that that fire and that drive is what's going to fuel your activities. It's going to make the most of your activities. It's going to amplify that. Um, That's really the secret ingredient to a great sales development organization is a sales leader who can identify that and harness that, that power. Nice. You know, in terms of that hiring, how can you hire for salespeople that that understand the modern day buyer? You know, specifically, you know, I'd be keen to unpack your thoughts around how sales should be consultative and partnership oriented. You know, how do you assess this in the interview process? Yeah. So my hands down favorite question, I have two favorite questions actually to ask people. The first is what's not on your resume and LinkedIn that you think I should know about you before we continue our chat today? So the very first question I ask them, I'm asking them to look at my persona, understand who I am as a hiring manager uh, and what I might need to know about you um, that isn't on this page that's in front of me. How can you sell me the value of you based on what you know about me. That's core to any sales professional's success, right? And then I also really, um, I value EQ. It's my number one trait that I look for in an individual. So my favorite question, my second favorite question is, tell me about a mistake you've made or a tough interpersonal, or not interpersonal, tell me about a tough professional relationship you've had. And I, I add the caveat, this doesn't need to have been a win story. I'm not asking for a turnaround, but I'm trying to understand how do you navigate situations? How do you assess your potential solutions and choose your path forward? And then I follow it up with, what would you have done differently to bring a solution about more quickly or to to amplify your results in that situation? So are you reflective? Do you always think you've got it right? Or are you bringing a beginner's mindset to your everyday? Are you open to learning and changing based on the changing landscape in front of you? Because that also tells me they'll be resilient as our company evolves, as the modern day buying field continues to evolve. Are are you open to those changes in front of you? And if so, you'll do great in a sales profession. But if you are static, if you believe that you're always right. If you carry that arrogance about your own, um, your own abilities, you'll never succeed in sales because we are wrong 90% of the time. We get told more than we get told yes. So I I love those questions. I think I'm going to steal those from you next time we go through our, our interviewing process. So those are great ones. 
Please do. And then let me know how they work out for you. We'll do. We'll do. Are there any other tactics or advice you can give on, on the hiring side here? Yeah, I think one of the most underrated um, tips that I would offer someone is, is, is you've got to also be really clear about your expectations from day one, from that very first conversation with your candidates. Um, I, I have been told that I have very high expectations. Uh, I'd like to believe that about myself as well. And so I try to make sure that in my very first conversation with an SDR, they have an understanding that um, 100% is just table stakes for me. I also expect exceptional professional acumen, right? A willingness to be coached. Um, I expect someone who puts the team before they put themselves. Um, I don't want to get to a situation with an SDR where they come into the organization and are surprised by what they see. And so if you make your expectations clear when it's from the very first conversation that you have, you're giving them an opportunity to say yes at that point. And then you can, you can expect that they will continue to say yes and that they're buying in there. And so you're building that momentum for, for that team, uh, for that, that mutual commitment, for that partnership together. And I think when you do that and you create that buy-in, great things can happen wonderful things can happen. Life-changing things can happen. I truly believe that being an SDR can change someone's life. It changed mine. So that's not hyperbole. That's awesome. Uh, let's talk about training. Uh, you know, every sales leader can understand the importance of, you know, process, structure, strategy, et cetera. How can sales development leaders instill the modern buying mindset into training and in a scalable way? Yeah, so I think to your point, there's got to be a process that's set forth. We talked about data as a huge, um, a, a huge advantage in the modern day buying process, right? For both the buyer and the seller, right? We've got tech stacks today devoted to exposing um, a new hire's journey as they're through the onboarding process. Leverage that. Gong, for example, is really fantastic. We are lessonly users here at Snowflake as well. Um, I know individuals or I know companies who use WorkRamp. Um, I've used WorkRamp. WorkRamp is, is really great in that realm. Um, use all of those tools to understand um, how to coach folks through the process as well. Um, how to help them self-lead and self-teach as well. That's a key of scalability and efficiency. Um, but I'm also a big believer in layering in the person component of this, right? Like we've talked about all of the, the tech that's available to make um, the buying process easier. You still need people in it, right? We're people selling to people at the end of the day. And that goes for the training process too. We're people who are training people, particularly for SDRs, right? You're taking individuals who are overwhelmed by this new world that they're stepping into. For some, it's their first foray into tech, their first foray into sales. And then for many, it's also their first job. And so they're inundated with a ton. And so being a helping hand there is helpful, but also being a helping hand that is informed about their learning journey is also really key. So if you are a trainer, go in and listen to those mock calls, go into Gong, drop notes, Understand the ratio of talking to listening. 
understand how these individuals are managing objectives. Um, these tools aren't just meant for the folks on the front lines every day. They're meant for the coaches as well. So leverage that technology to, to be a better coach to your individuals. How do tech stacks help here? You know, how and why should managers invest in tech as a way to monitor onboarding? Yeah, I will say it's not just about the onboarding process either. It's, it's about um, it's about the day to day coaching. Here's an example. My co-lead for our enterprise team, he honestly, he literally just called me this morning as I was prepping for this session. And he's incredibly excited because he and his team of managers did a call review together. And it really exposed to them the strengths of the team, um, the, the opportunities for growth on the team. Um, because oftentimes what we can do as leaders, because we are pulled in so many different directions, we take anecdote as evidence, right? And so um, what this gave to him was an opportunity to pick a call and, and test and push on some of the perceived truth about an anecdote. And actually, so here, here is the situation more, more simply put. Our manager said, hey, we want our SDRs to leverage the last interesting moment in their scripts when they're making calls. And this director and I, my fellow director, and I pushed back a little bit and we said, it can't just be about the interesting moment. They've still got to do research on this stuff. And in this discussion, everyone was just pulling from their best practices, from their knowledge set and pushing back and forth. But today what happened is we heard a call where an SDR said, hey, I heard you signed up for a webinar, blah, 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 blah. And the manager said, hey, I'm not, I'm not coaching it to that. I know that you're going to push back on this, but I got to tell you, I'm not coaching this. And what actually came about was a path forward. Okay, managers, this group, do we agree that we've got to address this? director and manager, can we align on what the standard of excellence looks like, right? So we're not just people who are pontificating anymore. The theoretical situation that we have heard about. We had a real life example. We could go back and re-listen to it. And we built a new standard that we're all operating to from there. And when you have that alignment across your leadership team, you're going to then develop SDRs who are more consistent in their performance across the org. And when we are talking about a 250 SDR org, as we are here at Snowflake, that consistency matters so much. Awesome. Well, that's it. Uh, thank you so much, Emerald, for, for joining us today on Redefining Outbound. Steven, thank you and to the Cognizant team for having me here. Uh, I always get so nervous before doing these things. And then when I get talking about it, it just, it lights me up. So thanks for starting my morning here on the West Coast with some enthusiasm. It was great connecting with you. Likewise. Take care.